Hello there, and thanks again for tuning in, watching, or listening to VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. I think we're on episode 135 tonight. Uh, you're either watching us on YouTube, listening on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you very much, and please leave a review. You know me, Steve Lillis. You know John Evans. Tonight's special guest, uh, a man. He makes movies. He's a bit of a film buff on the quiet. He looks like he's on one of his sets. It's uh, one of our regular guests, a man who needs no introduction to the boxing world, John Pegg. How are you, John? All good, Steve. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Are you on a film set or something? I wonder where you are tonight. It looks like there's a caravan in the background that some Hollywood A-lister is going to jump out. I'm actually, Dan, I'm actually, I was at a theatre. Um, I wrote a, a play for theatre. It's been performed this weekend. So I was actually there, but there's no signal there. So I'm sitting down the road on a McDonald's so I can tune into you. So I've left uh, them all practising and come to, come to see you guys. Yeah. So what you got coming up, John? I know you've got one show before Christmas at least, haven't you? Just just the one, December the 3rd. We've got Scott Murray's dinner show, November oh, the 30th, yeah. with a few of our lads on. And uh, and we got Boxing's Best Kept Secret, Niall Berry, yeah. on the Sky Show on November the 18th. Oh, Wolverhampton, yeah. Secret after that night. And that Scott Murray show, you've got, it's like St. Andrew's Day Scottish theme, isn't Ian Wilson? That's he's doing England sending a load Scotland. down. Yeah, England against Scotland, he's doing. He was talking last year, a really good fight on that bill. Bobby Morell against somebody. Was that on that bill? No, nah, Bobby Morell's not on there now. I think he's yeah. injured. Yeah, well, we've got a... um, Jose Stewart against uh, Nick Campbell. Good fight, we yeah. We've got two unbeaten flyweights, two three and oh kids against Oh, he has got he's got the little kid who's got the brother who looks the twin brother, I know you mean, yeah. He's not a bad little yes. kid, him, yeah. Yeah, well the, the other kids do. Michael, you know? Michael, someone it is Michael. Michael McCone. That's McCone it. Yeah. Or McCrone, yeah, yeah. Yeah, McCrone, that's the guy. Yeah, he's not a bad little yeah. fighter. Two three and oh kids, so that should be good fun. Hey, talking about um Scottish kids. On a VIP show, we had uh, Josh Sanford came down and beat Joel Howarth, didn't he? And they've both gone quiet since. What's happened to Josh Sanford? John Sanford is, um, I was talking to Ian Wilson about him the other day. He's he's fighting one of these chaotic titles in Ireland any any day now or any week, very, very imminently. And Joe Howarth's back on the 25th of November in Wigan. He's he's fighting Lee Hallett. For his oh, Sanford return. looked like he could be. He, he could be good, but he's just, he's just not been able to capitalise on that at all, has he? I think I think he's just as busy with his gym as well, training young yeah. fighters and stuff. Well, he did well. He did well that night. Right, I would say we'll push on next. We can't keep John for too long if he's got to be watching people tread the boards you, and with his cravat. You can't, just, you can't let him. You've got to describe the play, John. What's it about? Give what us a quick synopsis. It's a murder mystery. Um, yeah. the, uh, a local drama group was saying that. They have like the, the, the licensing fees are quite expensive, and murder mysteries are the expense the most, but they're really popular. So I says, why don't you write your own? And they says, oh well, it's not as easy as it looks. So I was like, yeah, I'll be coat. So I've wrote a murder mystery that's actually based in their village, so it's all around the local myths and lo local uh, landmarks and stuff like that. And the three nights it's on, it's practically sold out. So they're over the moon. So you, you know, that's people from the village going in there to watch. You haven't gone around the village, sitting in the pub, analysing everybody and making them out yeah. of baddies. That's what it is, John. As well, as long as they're buying the ticket, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll push on then anyway. John, if you've got your uh, John Evans out, if you've got your clock watch, we'll try yeah, and keep the time this week and not hold Mr. Peg up because uh, he went missing on us last week in traffic and we got Woody off the subs bench. Yeah, I'll be... I'll he be good, I'll... Ah, he's not as good as you, though, is he on it? You know? Ah, <laughs> oh, well... Not many people are. <laughs> <laughs> Not maybe we've got your knowledge, mate. I don't think. Um, anyway, round one. Um, John, what next for Joe Cordina? John John Evans lead the way. Yeah, Joe Cordina. I tell you, that was a hell of a fight at weekend, wasn't it? I don't think many people expected it to be that tough. And you'll find a lot of people who thought Vasquez might have shaded it. But hell of a fight. But what what's next? I know, as we always do in the ring after a close fight, they said... Is the potential for a rematch, but we all know that's not going to happen. Yeah. So what next for Cardina? Every interview you see, Joe talks a lot about money these days, doesn't he? He wants the highest paying fights and, and stuff. But I kind of hope, I think Joe's really good, a really good fighter, one of our best in Britain at the moment. And I'd like to see him unify that division, whether it's Shaki Foster or whether it's Navaretti. I'd like to see him try and do that before we get like a Lee Wood fight, you know, which is just purely money at the city ground. I think Joe owes it to, it sounds daft to say owes it to himself, because all these lads want to earn as much money as they can, but being a unified champion has got a real gravity to it, doesn't it? You know, I think Joe owes it to himself to try and prove himself the real man in that division before he before he looks start, starts looking for money fights or moving up. Uh, me, myself, and the more you get kind of stuck into things, I think Joe will go for the money fight, and I don't blame him because, do you know what? As fans, we want to see that. You know, like the TV guys and, and, and the people in charge, they don't care. They don't care about this and that. And, you know, at the end of it, when it's all finished, they ain't going to put nothing else in your bank account to keep you going. They ain't going to even pat you on the back. They ain't even going to give you a trophy. So if there's a big money fight for him, I think you should get it while it's there because chasing a legacy is nice, but the more you're involved, the more you realise the people, the fans will pat you on the back, but they'll pat you on the back anyway. But the people in charge, they don't really care. So you might as well get as much money as you can. And I'm not saying that as a fan, like you, I'd rather see the other way. But for the boxer, I want the boxer to come out with as much as he can, however he has to do it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with John Pegg there. Um, you know, look, it's mad as it thinks. I mean, he's not, Vasquez isn't getting the rematch. Eddie said that. Um, and it's mad to think that a fight against Navarrete or Shaquille, um, Sha Shaquille Foster, he'd most certainly end up with less money from that than he would from Josh Warrington moving up or Lee Wood. So I, I'd go yep. for one of those two fights if they, if they make well, and get his money, get that big the domestic money fight in. It'd be fancied against both of them, and then go for that. It, but yeah. it's, it's mad we're in this after the money. Yeah, because you can't chase the money if the legacy fails. Whereas you can get the money in the bank regardless, and then chase the legacy anyway. Do it that way around, I think, because nobody really cares when you're finished, or even when you're almost close to being finished. And, uh, you know, you can have a year left. They won't give you any fibers. So put that money in the bank, lads, and make sure that you're looking after yourself when boxing's finished. Yeah. Time. Right. Round two. Um, Fighters that got out of this sport, what they put in with it. I'll tell you, I was thinking is I was watching the Chris Billum-Smith press conference last week. I just think he's a prime example of getting out what you put in. You haven't got the natural talents that many have. 
although you're good, but everything he's done has been through hard work. And I'm just trying to think of other fighters around that are doing that right now. And, you know, Billum Smith. My lad, was... my lad, Sam Eggington. Sam Eggington. You know, he's on the, the list here. Sam Eggington. But since that first react poll, how Billum Smith's turned it around. You know, even when he had that narrow fight against the Irish kid, McCarthy, who lost at the weekend. You know, I think, you know, Sam Eggerton is another one. I go back, people like Arnie Farnell just lived the life, you know, in fights. You know, Matthew Hatton to a certain extent. One from Birmingham who beat Arnie, Wayne Alcock. Wayne Alcock, yeah. Just what you put in. Live the life, give it his all and and beat Howard Eastman. Yeah, and I'll look at Matthew Hatton. When he first turned pro, you wouldn't have you will he might have won a central area. You wouldn't have had him a European champion. Obviously, he got the camps through his brother and the, the on matches on the big bill, but it was still his hard work that got him to win in a genuine European title against a solid champion. And he still, well, yeah, got, he still had to do the job. I got two other um Terry Flanagan came from nothing off a, a state with Steve Mailer, had nothing, became a world champion, and the Yorkshire hunter, Paul Ingle. Yeah, 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 that's a yeah. great shout. Yeah, Paul Ingle, you know, he was talk about man of a people. He had ferrets and everything, Paul, didn't he? And all of a sudden, he was winning world titles in New York and fighting Naz and Medina. I, I love another him. another guy who probably you know got got something out of it that he perhaps shouldn't have. Glenn McCrory. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, Glenn that, McCrory won a genuine world title. That's it. And we forget, you know, he went to America to do it when fighters weren't doing it. You know, British fighters wouldn't have dreamt of going to America. In the eighties, Glenn Glenn packed his bags and was it Bo Williford down in Lafayette he went when he yeah, when he was yeah. a young man. He had that spell with Bidwell when he was a heavyweight and then met um met um Bo Williford, I think it was. Sparring with Tyson, weren't he? He's got the that's certificate right. hundred rounds with Tyson. Yeah, it's mad to think that, you know, that's you know, maybe because well, I'm getting on a bit. You think as that generation is not a long time ago, but it was unheard of for British fighters to go to America and set up camp then, wasn't it? No, it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Crazy, isn't it? Imagine, imagine some of the, imagine how intimidating that. That was peak Tyson, wasn't it? And I've heard Glenn tell the story when he turned up in his little pair of shorts and plimsolls, I think he said, and having to jump in there with Mike. You know, fair, fair play to Glenn there. Yeah. Are we done? Right, Ralph. We'll yeah, just about short. That'll do. Round three, we're going to lead you here, John. You can let John Peg lead the way. Best, great corner work you've ever seen, and what. What you see, what you expect in a corner, John? Right, I've had a really good think about this, and we've seen loads of fantastic corner work. And sometimes I think the Angelo Dundees, you're blowing it, kid. You're Joe Goosens, you got to get close to this motherfucker. They're basically telling a world class fighter some emotion. Is it, I, I'm not, I know it sounds kind of heretical, but it's not great corner work. It's kind of they know the fighter and they gene him up and. And yeah, it's what's needed. But I'll tell you one of my favourite pieces that nobody will ever notice, and it wasn't even the main cornerman. Joe Calzag is having a really tough time. He, he might have been that uh, African-Egyptian guy or someone. someone he might, he'd either been on the deck or he'd been shook. Enzo Calzaghi is basically speaking Yiddish in the corner. He's going absolutely fucking mental. And our friend, God rest him, Dean Powell, he waits for Enzo to blow his load and he leans in. He goes, have you finished? Now shut the fuck up. And he gives Joe some clear, concise instructions and Joe goes out and wins in the next round. And I remember thinking to myself, he got spoke about at the time, but I thought, nobody's even going to think about that. 
the fact that Joe's dad was losing his mind, Joe couldn't understand him, none of us could. And Dean, let him finish, calm as a cucumber, just lent in, give him some very good advice. Joe, you could see, was relieved to get some good advice. And he went out and won in the next round. So, you yeah. know, I favour cool, calm instructions when everything's going to shit over somebody giving like a big stirring speech. You don't need to really do that that much with, with really good guys. You need to calm them down and give them something to work on. And, and that one with Dean always sticks in my head. Yeah. You know, but I was thinking when, when um, you come up with this topic, um, I was thinking, what about cuts, man? Who was the, the guy that died? I think he had a ball there. Joe Sousa. Um, how he got Gatti through so many fights. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. someone like that. That's great corner. And you know what? I was yeah. look, I was looking at some stuff. Well, I'll have a look at some on YouTube. Go around. I looked at some of Nazim Richardson's work. And 11th round against Mayweather, he, you know, Mosley's taken a, you know, hasn't had a good night, shall we say. And 11th round, he's given these instructions about to get him through the fight. And at the end of the 60 seconds, he asked him to repeat what he said. Exactly what he said. To another, check he's still compassmentous enough to go out. To me, that's brilliant work. Another great piece of corner work in not a winning fight. Eddie Futch, the fight of the century. Joe Frazier against Muhammad Ali. Ali is as tired as Frazier in the other corner. He's, he's that tired. And Eddie Futch, with one round to go, and Ali's that tired and Frazier's a puncher. He says, that's enough tonight. Nobody will forget what you've done here. He had no ego. He had no worries. He had no kind of hope that there was only one round. The only thing on his mind was the safety of Joe Frazier. And forgetting what anyone would say, oh, you should have done it. Eddie Fudge pulled him out of the fight of the century one round to go because it was the right thing to do. So sometimes a losing corner can be a great piece of corner work as well. And that's another one that strikes me. Just, just before we start, I've one, one that sticks in my mind. It sort of combines both things you said there, John. When um, Andre Ward got put over twice by Kovalev and looked in real trouble early on, Hunter, sometimes I think he tries, he words things a bit too intricately. But like you said, he just calmed him down. He said, look, you know, basically, look, Andre, you know what you can do. You know how you've got here. Wipe the slate clean and let's start again. And Ward came back and... He got a draw, didn't he? But a lot of people thought he pinched it. I thought that was really good as well. But yeah, it's not all about screaming and shouting and Teddy Atlas stuff, is it? A bit, little bit for the camera. as well, but... just one thing. If you get Kerry Kays on this, you need to ask him that question. I'm not going to say anymore, but ask Kerry Kays that question okay. and then come back to me and tell me I'm wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what, John, I went and did the British Boxing Border Control seconds course, not to be a second, just because Woody's had issues at shows when fighters haven't had someone with them just to hand up. And the thing Kerry did in that, the doc, the little film he does on that, I don't know if you've seen it, about yeah. corner work and being the cuts man in the corner. And, it, you know, how you part of its kidology in the air, it, it's just a brilliant 10-minute film to watch. It was yeah, the most yeah. interesting thing of the home day. And of course, your cut, your cut calls gets a plug there. Everyone's told to go and do that as well. So, yeah. so they should. <laughs> right. John, John Evans, round four. You wanted to talk about how, how often boxers should be fighting. Yeah, John, John Peg, we good on this. Um, it seems to be like a, a disease that's infesting boxing at the moment, where even fighters who are an eight rounders are fighting twice a year, three times a year, and they seem to think it's 
it's the thing to do, the way to go, because they're seeing people at the top of the sport doing it. Now, I can, I can understand the heavyweights fighting once every 18 months because the, the purses they get keep them going for about 18 months. But these fighters who are earning 15, 20 grand for British title fights and, and things like that, they need to be out four or five times a year, not just for their own skill level, but the boxing needs stars, doesn't it? And stars are only get made when the fans get to see them fight. So the more they fight, the more fans see them, the more they want to buy tickets. It also means we have to train less. And I think any professional sportsman would rather actually do the job than train, wouldn't they? And it just seems to me that they're all missing a trick. They could be learning on the job, earning and making the profile bigger at the same time, rather than sitting on the arses just watching the careers pass by. But how many times do you think like a six-round fighter should fight, John? A domestic champion should fight a and a world champion. I have a kind of rule. When someone starts off, first two years, I want five fights a year. The yeah. reason for that is they're not learning that much in the fights. So if they have a two-month camp, they're literally learning for the whole year because you've got two months, December uh, or January and August, where there's no fights. So if yeah. we've got 10 months... If we've got five fights and we have a two-month camp, you're doing lots of learning. You're fighting at that much learning. It's just experience. And that's what I try and stick to with those guys. And then, to be fair, when they're more experienced, I still want them fighting regular. If you yeah. look at Sam Eggington, he hasn't had as many fights recently. And that's mainly because, like, Sky actually told us this month that Sam wasn't fan-friendly enough to go on Sky. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. Nah, you're on I'm a not... wind up there. Steve, I'm Steve, I'm not joking. The reason why Sam's not any Wolverhampton is because Sky says he weren't really like good enough for that. So we might you know. as well all go home, mate. We might as well all go home if he's not fan. Honestly, what, that, what, that's what, what we said. What, what is fan friendly? If you look, I have had Sam on like Steve Wood shows in little six rounds. Yeah, I know, yeah. Because I, know, I yeah. think activity all Sam's best performances is when he's been active. Even as a championship level fighter, I think anyone who has more than six months out, it affects them to the detriment, no matter who it is. I yeah. think everybody, even world title fight guys, should fight three times a year. And, like, you know, in 2019, when he was still doing title fights, Sam fought six times in the one year. And, you know, I just think that's how fighters are good. But, yeah, that's why Sam's only had two this year because he's not good enough for Sky. If you're a world champion, what's wrong with having two defences and slotting in a ten non-title yeah. ten rounder? Well, exactly. Disappeared to Mexico and have and have eight and ten rounders, didn't he? Virtually every month. Yeah. What's wrong with Hugo that? Cesar Chavez used to have six rounders That's after the title fights against I'm people not... off the streets. I can't say no more than that. Oh, you just left me a little bit lost for words. I, know yeah. I shouldn't be lost for words, John, but you you haven't lost me, but. The, well, the Sam Egerton line has left. I might as well. I uh, want to just go home now. Well, I'm at home, but I might want to go and beg in, in a darkened room hearing that that Sam Egerton's not friend. I tell you, we'll just give them guns when they go in the ring and knives. Yeah, he each other. If yeah. he's not, if he, if he, if he's not fan friendly. Yeah, well, that was the decision. That, that's why he's not one Wolverhampton. He's not quite what they wanted. So well, what you do? Well, so I try and keep him active. So I've got to find him a slot somewhere. So I might be ringing Woody up. Yeah, because Sam wants to fight. Sam just says, I'll fight anywhere. As you know, that's not just him saying it, how a lot of lads do. Oh, yeah, Look at his record. Yeah, he yeah, could Sam have got... boxed at Canuck before he fought Joe Pigford. Yeah, I think Woody's got... Weeks before. 
I think Woody's got three shows this year. Still, there's no Jolly Boys this year, unfortunately. But there you go. I'd like, I'd like to see Sam against Mike McKinson. Different ways, but yeah, it'd be an interesting one. Sam would have to bring his boy Frankie. I know he's like Madonnell, but McKinson's desperate for something, isn't he? And he's after a show. He might move yep, up. No, well, I'd just like to see Sam against anyone at the moment. Anyone, yeah. I'd say, well, it wouldn't happen on a small one. I'd say Woody's getting out in a couple of weeks. Jack Flatley and Sam Egerton would be a tear up. Oh, yeah. Right, just tell him, tell him we'll do it for cheap. All right, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. Jack Flatley fights anyone. I was speaking to him today. I said, there's this fight. Oh, you, you know, I'll just get He will fight anyone flatly as well. Yeah. yeah. Tell anyway. Him we'll We're desperate for a fight. I'll tell him. I'll tell him. I'll text him after this. Um, round five. I tell you, I think the fights um, we get wrong in predictions. You know, when you're like, I don't mean like Tyson against Buster Douglas or and last week's fight in Saudi Arabia. I mean, a lot of people are talking of Christmas money when Denzel Bentley fights Nathan Heaney next week, getting him out of the way quickly and brutally. And I just think if you had, if you guys had any great predictions that, that went wrong, I, my one I go back to is the summer of 99 when, um, and it was with Dean Powell. We sat together. We both had lost money on this. Um, it was like something like seven to two for Kawasaki to win in the first five rounds. And we were counting our money when we were sat at ringside. It, um, Dean and myself. It was Joe Kawasaki against Rick Thornbury, the Australian who right. took Kawasaki in the distance. Fight, I'd yeah. seen him about a year earlier against Henry Walton at Halifax. He was absolutely shocking, and Walton just smashed him around and stopped him in five rounds. A year, a year and a half later, he turns up and took Joe to twelve rounds when he was new into just. I think I think it was the second or third defense of his title. What you got? I've got to admit, my, my, my predictions, it's easier to say the ones I got right. Yeah. Whenever I make a prediction publicly, it just slaps me straight round the face. I never get them right. It's like they do it on purpose. I got Honestly, the only one I've got right that was a bit of a shock in the last couple of years was Povetkin against um, Dillian White the first time. That's the only one where I was like, oh, that showed a bit of knowledge. The rest of them, I get fucking hammered. I pick yeah. the wrong one every time. I every did... time I pick against Echo Esselman and he beats it's someone up and shows me. Well, yeah. it, there you go. Just who's winning who's winning next week, Amal? We've got you on then. For two underrated guys, Esselman, who you always pick against, and Harry Scarf, who probably always gets picks against. Who wins that one, John? Well, right, just 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 because I, I feel bad towards Echo and I always <laughs> seem to like some I'm gonna pick Harry. Because that'll guarantee Echo the win. Trust me on that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm picking Echo. So there you go. Harry's got a win. But one I got badly wrong. I I was certain Galotta was going to beat Tyson. You know, when they both lost their heads. I, I thought I had a good bet on Galotta. I remember that. I think he was about six to one. And you couldn't have told me anything else. And he, <laughs> well, went three minutes, didn't it? No, I don't think I've ever got one that wrong. <laughs> that was a bad one, that. So you've got the draw in the Echo and Scarf yeah, fight then. I'll have a skill. Yeah, that could easily happen, couldn't it? We were talking yeah. about it with him today. Yeah. Right, we're all throwing the tenner in the pot then. <laughs> right, for the Scarf, draw. Scarf, I get the 30 quid. John gets the draw. Steve gets Echo, yeah? We're on. Yeah, tenner we're, on. In. we're on, yeah. I'll send them yeah. your... Also, I'll send... If you, yeah, I've got Echo. You've got Harry. John's got the draw. John, the, the, John, John, have, John Evans has drawn a short draw here. I would have said the draw anyway in that. Oh, well, there, there you go, go then. There you go. Tenner each then. Um, final round, we're, we're all four. John gets back to the theatre. 
John, will the struggles end? Small hall boxing. Well, we just found out today yeah. that foreign boxers' prices have gone up. Oh, no. So now oh, no. it won't end. And while we keep paying, the prices will keep going up. I think, honestly, I think small hall boxing will break before it gets better. I think it'll actually break before it gets better. I honestly do. I think something drastic will have to happen. Like, and, and people will have to go... It, it might be that nobody can afford foreign boxers. It might yeah. be that the, the, the home guys have to fight each other. But someone's going to break before it gets better because he's getting to the stage now with with trainers, boxers, hanger-oners, foreign agents, you know, people who are in power, just making it more and more difficult. That It's just not sustainable with a couple more price rises. And it'll either, I think it'll push to a point where it breaks and then sensible people will find a way to make it work and hopefully we can carry on from there. Yeah. And that's how I honestly see it going. I can only see right now when I saw the email today of the, the, chain, the price changes. Um, I think the only way it can be saved bef before it breaks, and it may well come to what you say, John, is for the, the fighters to start fighting each other. But that's almost impossible when you've got trainers that might only have one boxer. Yeah. That's what makes it impossible. There, there, there's where the, the biggest problem are. Trainers that might have one fighter. Because also as well, Steve, you know, when you get like fans and kind of uh, online guys saying we need proper fights, blah, blah, blah. Why are we watching this? You know, I've done that um, grassroots prize fighter. It's brilliant, where yeah. Where seven unbeaten guys and Kirk Stevens. My worst attended show ever. Really? Yep. So all these fans who go, we want to see real fights. All these ones are, oh, you're not putting proper fights on. We got two fight of the year nominations at that show. Worst attended show ever. So when people say that to me, I say, I'll get to fuck. Just prove it. Because the best show we put on for even fights, you know, was the worst attended show ever. So they say one thing, but they do the opposite. So, you know, it's just crazy. I was talking to someone about this the other week. You'll know him, John. But, um... How much power if, if you, Carl, Steffi, Kev Marie, Steve Wood got together? Do you think it's within your... Have you got the power between yourselves, given how much control you've got and how much influence to, to make a change? Um, Probably not, because like 90% of what works in boxing, the revenue with the board and all that, is through the TV promoters. Yeah. So as long as the TV promoters can put their shows on, you know, a lot of the time, there's too many small hall shows. They'd probably be happy to get rid of us, to be honest, because we bring not a lot to it, like money-wise, and the small and the big shows do all the do all that side of it, and they just bring in people from abroad or they cherry pick who they need. So I think it'll be an overhaul. For, like I think, I think there'll be a big problem, and then people will have to find a way, one way or another, and then it'll fix itself. But it's getting to the point where it will break. It's getting to the point where you, you know you're asking these kids who want to box at home. They've got to sell 120 tickets. Yeah. But the coaches won't let them fight somebody else. I've had a lot of mine where I've been saying, you sell 60, you sell 16, you both get paid. And the sensible kids are going, yeah, it's less of a hassle. But like I say, when someone's got one boxer, they'd rather go out and drag three sponsors out of the shop yeah. to, to pay for the, the, that, the fights. That's what I was going to say. That, 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 I know boxers who are on, small boxers are on four, £500 a week from sponsors. The, the impetus isn't there for them to go out old school around pubs and selling or go knocking on your mate's doors and 
Do you want to buy a ticket? The impetus isn't there because they're still getting their wages at the end of the week. Yeah, but then promoters, really, if they're not bringing the interest to the show, they should say to them, well, we're not interested. But yeah. people do because they don't want to lose them to someone else. That's and, right. You know, it's, 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 it's not in a great state and it's not easy. And, you know, I don't know. But I just, I don't think it'll finish like some no. people do. But I think something's going to snap. And then people have got to go, right, now we need to fix it. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. Fellas, um, really enlightening half an hour listening to you, John. You were brilliant there and your corner work stuff was superb. It's always good having you on. You're one of the, you're in our top five, I think. You know, of, uh, yes, you always got something to say. Hold on, you you, you come back to us now, but we'll let you yeah, get off sorry, to the, the theatre, Mr. Peg. And uh, I hope... When you said top five, my phone malfunctioned. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're in our top you're, Um, I'll tell you what, Brian Walsh for me is always brilliant. He should be on TV talking boxing. Yeah, he's but yeah, well, I'm better looking. Yeah, of course you are. Course like Bruce Barsley, I think you're my favourite. You're my favourite. I won't have a word against yeah, you, Peggy. Does Ryan Walsh pull over on a bloody dark, what day is it, Monday? No. On he, a dark Monday night on McDonald's. No, he texts us both all day telling us how excited he is to be on. And then him and John have texts every weekend about boxing. There's a WhatsApp group, and they're the only two on it. But it's the busiest <laughs> WhatsApp group John has. Him and Ryan analysing every fight every weekend. So what you're saying is I've got to raise my enthusiasm game. No, you're brilliant. You you always got something to say. You're no, we've good. done 135 of these. The enthusiasm's at its level now. We're looking. We're, <laughs> we're already looking at like the winning post for Christmas. We have a couple of weeks <laughs> off. John Pegg, thank you very much. John Evans, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Thank you very much. Cheers, fellas. For all boxing info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro across and off, click and subscribe. VIP boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.